Welcome to another edition of Inside the Economy. I'm Larry Howes. Thanks for joining me. I'm going to talk about employment, housing, and earnings, all part of the latest that's going on right now. Unemployment, very low double digits. We'll see how that adjusts here in the next quarter. Inflation, non-existent. Oil, 41. The yield curve has shifted down. Interest rates are a little bit lower. Treasuries have gotten more valuable. Mortgages, three. Even though some will tell you, gee, you can get them in the twos, not without a substantive upfront fee. Durable goods orders, a little more about that in a minute or two. Ongoing on the employment side, a great measure of the economic effects of this reaction to the virus. We have four months of an initial unemployment, claims over a million. Well, it's really bad news in any environment, and we know why it is, really. It's 32 million people receiving unemployment benefits in some iteration, state, federal, whatever it is, 32 million. And there are significant planned layoffs in the future. We've already talked about Boeing, GE, and others. Generally, what we have is 80% of the economy is being productive. So the GDP numbers and what we've seen, GDP is down 5%, and that's the last of the estimates for the first quarter. Next one's going to be the second quarter. It'll be bad. It'll be a bad number. And I will simply remind you, we're in the third quarter now, and they're telling you how bad it was in the second quarter. We know it was bad. The GDP numbers for the third quarter are going to be a lot better because they start from a low point. Just know that that's coming. Clearly here, the number that are still receiving unemployment benefits coming down, the initial claims coming down, we knew that. The economy is adjusting. However, there are still some impacts in people aren't getting on airplanes so much. Uh, hotel occupancy is down. Restaurant occupancy, though picked up a lot, there's fewer restaurants. Retail, big store retail, going through a huge adjustment. More bankruptcies. U.S. dedicating a huge amount of money. We talked about this, 12 13% of GDP. And after Congress finishes their deliberations this week, that number is going to go up. It's going to be another couple of trillion dollars. Uh, fundamentally, it's good. There'll be more $1,200 checks in mailboxes. Unemployment is not going to be quite as rich as it was. Very likely, not quite as rich as it was. It'll be smaller, more of a state problem. It's a lot of money. Evidence showing here that uh, retail sales are as good as they are. That's online and box store. Well, unemployment benefits are a little fat. A lot of people, well, 40% of them making more money on unemployment than they were working. Well, they're out spending. They don't have anything else to do. Retail sales are up. Gasoline's up. But what's really happened in a lot of ways is sales of cars are up. They are the source of our industrial improvements. Now, homes, they're up. New home sales, interest rates and mortgages are very low. However, people are confident. They're out buying new stuff. They're readjusting. Interesting part of the marketplace is I usually follow the jumbo rates they're a lot higher than the conforming smaller loans these days. Usually they're very competitive, sometimes even better. The difference here is a lot of jumbo mortgages are given to people with good income, good numbers. 
Uh, and the institutions that give those mortgages keep them in their own portfolio. They're fairly attractive. They turn over pretty quickly. Everybody's been increasing their lending standards, just so you know. So if you're an individual that has a lot of income based on rent from property you own, either commercial or apartment buildings, well, it's not nearly as attractive as it used to be. In fact, some lenders are discounting it altogether, so on and so forth. And a lot of jumbos aren't available for forbearance. Generally, you wouldn't think that uh, somebody who could qualify for a half-million-dollar mortgage would be in forbearance right now, but you never know. They aren't quite as popular. They are more expensive. They're not as worth much on the secondary market. The regular conforming loan, the Federal Reserve has said, we're buying everything that meets these criteria. I mean everything. And a mortgage company is not going to give you a mortgage until they have a buyer for it. So... Well, if you meet the criteria, bam, you're done. The Fed buys it the next day. It has forbearance. It has all the federal rules. Yay. It's still part of the adjusting in that whole marketplace. How the people in forbearance catch up on their payments. Well, more to follow. Markets, NASDAQ, S&P 500, the Dow. NASDAQ still doing well. S&P 500 is right up there, kind of flat with the dividends. As a reminder, the S&P 500 is what's known as cap-weighted, meaning it's very influenced by high-capitalization companies. Interestingly enough, Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, Facebook, Netflix, very large capitalization. Their returns have a huge impact on the returns of the S&P 500. 490 of the companies in the S&P 500 aren't doing that well. Some of them are way down, flat, a lot of iterations. It's the top 10 companies in the S&P 500 that are doing all this return. It's not new. It's just the case. It isn't that there's rampant, gee, we'll go out and buy and invest in everything we can because things are getting better. It's the big technology companies. That isn't exactly new news, but... The other side of the coin is industrial output across the U.S. doing very well. Some of that is from domesticating international production, but most of it is, interestingly enough, autos. Auto production is up 100% from the low point. Looks real good. Capacity utilization is coming back. It's the autos that are making up the slack. Net profit margin for the S&P 500 first quarter, 7.1. Not bad given the lights went out in the first quarter. The five-year average is 10.6. And you look at some of these charts saying, gee, boy, they have horrible net profits. No, they're not. It's still 7.1. When the doors were closed, that isn't everybody, of course, like I mentioned. It's the cap-weighted part of the S&P 500 that, you know, Apple has a pretty good net margin. It's okay. Fundamentally, second quarter, it's hard to say what they're going to be. We're in the middle of the third quarter right now. I think those numbers are going to get better. Gold gets a lot of media attention right now. This is the futures contract, not the spot price. What I've seen over the years of gold, it usually does very well when the dollar is getting weaker and the dollar is clearly getting weaker. It's also very popular for people that are thinking, oh, there's going to be inflation coming into the system. Low growth and inflation, oh, the old stagflation of the 60s. Well, possible, very unlikely. 
interesting part of this is most people kind of understand that all they're doing is buying a futures contract. And when that contract expires, they can roll it forward again under the anticipation that somebody is going to buy it out. Or they can take delivery of the bullion. A lot of people, first time I've ever seen so many people taking delivery of the bullion. Problem is transportation. Aren't that many flights. The gold mines, some of them are really doing well and then they're in a hurry to deliver their bullion. Some of them are looking around going, oh, well, maybe there wasn't as much bullion as I thought. Not casting aspersion in the gold market, but it's really kind of a frenzy right now. I think it'll correct pretty quickly, pretty dramatically when things calm down a little bit. A couple of questions about, gee, who's buying all these newfound treasuries that are being issued, paying for the $1,200 checks, so on and so forth. Well, it's all domestic. The domestic marketplace, institutions, mutual funds, and large pension plans are 55% of the attending auction. It's not international. It's not China. It's not a lot of those. They're, they're still a very small percentage of the new auctions for two reasons. One, the dollar has been getting stronger over the years. It's only recently been getting weaker, thereby making treasuries a little more attractive for the dollars they own. But a lot of these outfits, certainly China, Japan, Europe, they don't have any surplus capital at this point. They got their own struggling economies. So they're really not in a position to be going, oh, let's go buy some treasuries and make our federal bank look good. It's domestic. Every time the U.S. government issues some treasuries, there's a line waiting there to buy them. Finally, and I just want to reinforce that here's the third quarter. And after everybody sees and hears bad news about how bad the second quarter was, and you will, don't let it bother you. We know how bad it was. The third quarter from these lows is going to do fine. I don't think there's going to be anything that's going to have a huge impact on the marketplace. I think there's an election coming up here. Uh, that will probably have an impact on liquidity in the marketplace and how the Fed deals with things. But just so you know, the Federal Reserve basically said, gee, the number one U.S. dollar-denominated bill out there in the marketplace now is no longer the one. It's the hundred. Gives you an idea of the kind of wealth going around not only in suitcases, but all around the world. Okay. Things are okay. Thanks for joining me. Again, happy to deal with the questions. That's at info at shwj.com. And I appreciate you joining me. Thank you.